Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there. Welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by... Chris Woff, who's going to talk us through his greatest ever Newcastle United side from the last 125 years. Now, as you may know, and have taken part yourself, we are looking for the greatest Newcastle United side from that time period as the club celebrates that brilliant anniversary. All the nominees are online at chroniclelive.co.uk and we're going to kick start with uh, the best goalkeeper from the last 125 years. Chris, who have you chosen? Uh, well, just before we get on to that, I just want to say that in terms of when you say that this is everyone to select their own team, quite a lot of the responses to my team, which has been published already in an article, is that a lot of people said, oh, why haven't you included such and such, or they've got their own views, and that's the whole point of this, it's about opinion, it's about everyone getting their own voice heard so that we have as many people as possible vote for uh, the greatest ever team that we are doing this collaboration with the club with, and then your voice will be heard, you can tweet me, and that's quite fine, you are going to disagree, people will disagree with my team, but the best thing they can do is make sure they either go online and, and get the team in via the uh, our website or try and write in and get it. But in terms of in goal, yeah, I've gone for uh, for Willie McFall there. there was a, it was a very tough between McFall and, and Shea Given, who admittedly Shea Given was, was the only one during my lifetime and a, a, a fantastic goalkeeper. And now uh, I've taken a slightly different approach to to John Gibson who was listening to, to his podcast and he was saying that he's he's only gone for players he's seen during his lifetime now given the fact that I'm only in my mid to late 20s I thought that it, I'd be limiting myself if I'd just done that and I'm not sure I would have actually been able to formulate an entire team like that anyway with the nominees um, so I, I've tried to, to look through and I've tried to represent uh, a few different eras in there and also gone for players who I think might complement you then Willie McFall uh, the goalkeeper during the 1969 Fairs Cup winning uh, side renowned as as being a fantastic keeper. If on occasion, uh, I think he was he was he did have a few sloppy games here and there. But when he was at his best, a, a fantastic goalkeeper, and also went on to manage the club as well. So that's the reason I've gone for him. Shea given very very unfortunate not to be in the side because uh, I've seen him during my lifetime put in some exceptional performances for Newcastle United. Uh, wasn't the tallest goalkeeper yet, very agile and, and made brilliant shot stopper, but also perfected the art of coming out of his box and being able to head the ball as well so Shea Given I think is unlucky not to be in there it was a toss up between the two for me but I just thought given the trophy that William McFall won for the club that, that's the reason he got the nod and into defence obviously the formation is a 4-3-3 formation which in itself created a topic point shall we say across uh, our office and no doubt across social media so you're right back first of all yeah I mean I would have had four in my defence anyway ideally I would have liked a 4-4-2 that was what I personally believe should have been in there. I think the, the history of Newcastle United really is there's a lot of being brilliant wingers and brilliant centre forwards. So, but that that would be four at the back regardless. So, uh, my right back, I've gone for David Craig. And the reasons for that, I mean, obviously lots of nominees. I mean, John Beresford, for instance, was a name that was put forward. But why, why David Craig? Again, hotly contested. But the, the reason I've gone for David Craig is, and, and you're going to find it with four of my back five, if you include the goalkeeper, four of them were part of the uh, 1969 Fairs Cup 
went inside and uh, again it, it's just the silverware really and I think that um, he played 412 times for Newcastle he was uh, a stalwart really of the side during the 60s and, and early 70s and just someone who gave so much to the club including a trophy um, and if for someone to have made that many appearances more than 400 like the left back who we're going to get onto in a second also made more than 300 for the club it just shows you uh, how much they did contribute to a side and, and the fact part of the Fairs Cup winning team again not someone I actually saw live because well before my time but doing research on him and watching old videos and, and speaking to, to people from in and around the time who did see him uh, I think he fully deserves that place on the side people like John Beresford very unlucky not to miss out but this that's the whole point of this everyone's going to have different opinions as to who they think should be in the team and why and obviously your centre back next we'll get on to who it is um, and this question I mean this uh, point is going to probably give people a, quite a good idea who it is but I mean how important is it for maybe the younger listeners younger readers of Chronicle Live to look through back through the history books to look at the highlight reels of these great players who are on this list and who you know they would have, wouldn't have seen but and maybe even their parents wouldn't have seen but you know their grandfathers and such would have would have seen them play in their, their heyday Personally, I think it's very important. It's about the history of your football club. It's if you are a Newcastle fan or be it whoever you support, but if you live in the area and are interested in the football club, then I think to to, to understand uh, the history of certain positions, particularly. I mean, obviously, we get on to the centre forwards eventually. The number nine shirt, why it is so iconic. It's not just Alan Shearer. There's so many other players down the years, but in terms of the stalwart centre backs, and when, and when you hear. Their older fans sitting in the game and they'll be referring to, to certain players from bygone eras and you might not necessarily comprehend or understand why they're referring to those players but if you do your research, if you look into videos you can see why certain fans hark back to certain eras if they say the centre-back isn't good enough, the centre-midfielder isn't as good as someone from the 80s or whenever it may be and it, it gives you an idea of, of, of the iconic players who have worn the shirt down the years and uh, what the current crop of Newcastle players should be striving for as well. So on to the centre back it is Bob Monker for you will mix up one half of the partnership uh, what was it about Bob Monker that uh, caught your eye? I mean Bob Monker was one of the first names on the, on the team sheet to be perfectly honest with you um, the centre forwards you could argue a couple of them picked themselves but in centre back wise Bob Monker again <laughs> as has been the case with the first two ones I've spoken about Fairs Cup winner actually the captain during that era um, and someone who represented the club for a number of years before moving on to Sunderland eventually but the fact you can just see how much he means to Newcastle United fans that that hasn't in any way uh, damaged his relationship with them he's currently a club ambassador was on the board for a little bit uh, he's a lovely lovely human being as well when you speak to him but, but primarily it's for, for what he achieved on the pitch with the club he was uh, not known for his goal scoring prowess yet got a hat-trick in, uh, in, in helping them win the Fairs Cup, was a stalwart throughout that period. You speak to people like Gibbo and, and others who, who saw him and they just tell you how uh, important he was into that side. He had to establish himself in the team. He wasn't necessarily uh, first choice to begin with, but he played for both Newcastle and very well for Scotland as well. And Someone who um, is iconic in regards to the football club and uh, rightly is remembered fondly by Newcastle fans and hopefully that will continue for a long time to come with more than just the Monker suite as there is at the club at the moment It's interesting you mentioned that you know Bob Monker didn't really get off to the best start in Newcastle it took him a long while to get his, his place you know, concreted in You know, he was came through the ranks but it took a long while for him to get that first team place and interestingly we're going to name the next centre-back you've got here but it could, quite could have been 
quite easily could have been the man who many uh, say brought brought, Mon- brought Bob Moncur onto the player he was, and that is Joe Harvey. Yes, well, I mean, Joe Harvey in an ideal world I would have had in defence, but. Um the selection criteria will be for whatever reason he's a midfield I mean he played in a variety of different positions for Newcastle but was excellent both as a player winning I believe two FA Cups as a player captaining the club to, I think he might have won three and captain two is it? Won, I think he won two and he was on the touchline for the, touch the, the 55 yeah. and then obviously in the, in the late 90s was also the last man to help the club win a trophy as a manager and um he did. He gave Bob Moncur's chance at first. Obviously, Moncur needed to convince uh, Joe Harvey, but Joe Harvey, being the the former excellent former player that he was, was able to help develop Moncur and bring him on. And they made a fantastic partnership as as player as manager and manager. And I think that I echo everything that that John Gibson said last week about Joe Harvey. He's someone who, in my opinion, should be uh, immortalised more than he is at the football club. There doesn't seem to be as much reference to the last man. To have lift a trophy for Newcastle, which led a Castle to a trophy, which was nearly 50 years ago. Um, but he's someone who uh, served the club so well, both as a player and a manager. Um, and the, the trophies that he won, both as a player and a manager, he should be recognised for that. And then bringing on the likes of Bob Monker, four of my back five in this team, and all the other 1969 Fair Cup, Fairs Cup winners, and, and the other players he developed as well, a, f- a fantastic player and manager for the football club. So we'll get on to uh, Joe Harvey's playing ability in just a second, but the second centre-back for you? Second centre-back, I've gone for Sprinkling of Entertainers in there. I thought that, that it was it was necessary to reflect uh, 1969 team, not necessarily uh, as, as swashbuckling as the 1990, mid-1990 side, but um, I think a lot of play, people will pick Philly Balbert just for someone who wasn't at the club all that long, he was he was in the club for a few years, but having come in from after the '94 World Cup as someone who maybe wasn't overly well known in in the northeast and in the Premier League, he quickly became a household name and a favourite. He was not your archetypal centre back in terms of the way that he played, although he could defend if he wanted to. He was almost uh, almost took on the Dutch 1970s style of defending total football. He was. He was as good on the ball as just about any of the outfield players in the team. Fantastic passer of the ball. His movement was excellent. And obviously the iconic goal against Manchester United is in the, to cap off the 5 nils, what everyone uh, remembers him for. But there, were, there, was, there was more formal performances than that. And he, he was a better defender than I think he sometimes gets credit for. He would argue that as well, and rightly so. Um, and I think that he brings that bit of sparkle to the defence and in terms of wanting this to be the best ever team I think not having a not having Philip Albert in there you, you, you'd be missing a little something there's some brilliant other centre-backs who you could have picked in there from down the years I think they've jumped the Woodgate and managed to stay fit for a longer period of time in Newcastle in terms of in my lifetime and uh, he's one of the most naturally gifted defenders I've seen in terms of pure defending excellent player but just wasn't there long enough didn't stay fit for long enough so he certainly deserves an honourable mention there's a few other names in there as well but to have the solidity of Moncur alongside uh, the special touch that Philip Albert would bring, I think that would be a really good team. And you could see that partnership working? I think I could, yeah. I think Moncur would be likely to sit back, although he might want to replicate his hat-trick from uh, the first cup. And then you'll have Philip Albert, who will at times move forward, join in the midfield, become an extra attacker, and I think that that would really, really serve the club well. And at left-back again, you, you could argue Newcastle haven't really been graced with that many 
great left backs down the years. Um, but this man, you know, his trophy cabinet at Newcastle and you know, away from Newcastle just speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, I've gone for Frank Clark. I would agree with you in the, in the left back. I think that was one of the the least hotly contested positions in the team. Um, but Frank Clark, the, the fourth of my five in the back five who uh, appeared in the 1969 Fairs Cup winning team, uh, made more than 400 appearances for the club. Uh, was an out and out left back in terms of an old style left back. I think in the in the modern day game, he certainly wouldn't be considered a Man City team or anything like that, uh, because he didn't tend to move past the halfway line from from what everyone tells me, from what you see from him, and the fact that I think he barely scored a goal for for the club. Maybe he's one or two in there, um, but he's just someone who uh, was so reliable, so dependent, and you could certainly afford to have a Philip Albert in your team if you're going to have. Frank Clark at left back because he's gonna you're gonna have some cover in there and necessary. I suppose that in a way shows how much the game has changed. I think Gibbo paid uh, reference to the way De- DeAndre Yedlin plays. You know he's got that speed. He likes to burst down the down the wing. You know maybe the the, the wing out took him behind him just to cover them. Frank Clark wouldn't have a hope of doing that. The his style of play wouldn't really succeed at all. It, he wouldn't. Um, that that's completely it is. It's the way the football's developed. It's a different era completely. Uh, fullbacks have become almost uh, wing backs without being in that specific position, and I think, but I, I think that, and this is going to create debate in itself because people will have different ideas when they're picking the team of whether it should be seen in the modern day sense or out of all time. And I've tried not to pinpoint someone as as, as being on who it'll play in this era. I've tried to think of. It, it, I think it's difficult if you compare eras and do that. That's just me personally. Other people might uh, think otherwise. So if it was a team to play today. Um, all these players at the best Frank Clark wouldn't get in on the basis that he's he's, he's an out and out left back doesn't really get forward but I've tried to, to amalgamate the Euros mix the Euros and take the best from him and so for that reason I think that a defensive left back in my opinion deserves his place in the team Fantastic so just to recap that's Willie McFall and goal David Craig at right back Bob Moncure and Phil Barbet in the centre with Frank Clark at left back now into the midfield and I mean, you could spend all day talking about the midfield players that Newcastle have had, the players that are on this list, the players that aren't on this list. I mean, everybody's got their favourites. And we'll start with the man who you would say is probably going to be in everybody's side other than Alan Shearer. I'm not giving anything away, but yes, he is in Chris's side. Um, Peter Beardsley. Yes, well, it's it's an interesting one to sell as well. I was I was saying I would have preferred to have played 4-4-2 if possible. If I had done that, he probably would have got one of the wingers berths but really he, isn't, he wasn't necessarily an out and out winger but he can really play anywhere across the front six um, so you could have almost had him as a striker if he'd been included as one of the front three which obviously you can't select him there but you could have had him in one of those front three um, so just in terms of genius is, is probably used too often in football but, but if you just watch clips of Pierre Beardsley at his best the, to compare him to Lionel Messi I don't think is, 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 is unfair in terms of yes, he, he isn't he isn't one of the all-time greats like Messi is, but he's as close as the northeast has certainly produced, and possibly even England in terms of what he's capable of, the, the way he can dribble, the way the ball would would stick to his feet, and he'd mesmerise defenders, he'd mesmerise the crowd. He, he, you can just watch clips of when Peter Beardsley's attacking, taking people on, and you see the St James's Park crowds start to rise out of their seats. And um, two spells at the club went away. Uh, conquered the Premier League and, and the Europe with with Liverpool did exceptionally well at several other clubs came back 
Um, I remember speaking to John Hall earlier in the year and he was talking about when Kevin Keegan first came to him and said he wanted to sign Beardsley back and John Hall said oh, he's too old uh, Kevin we can't be, can't be signing Beardsley and Kevin Keegan twisted his arm and, and John Hall said as, as usual Kevin Keegan was perfectly correct and he was one of the best signings they made and arguably Beardsley was even better in his second spell with the entertainers than he was during his first period he'd, he'd grown as a player matured learned how to win things and, and took Newcastle to within just a few points of winning the Premier League title and yeah I think that he's going to be in the vast majority of, of, of people's teams and they're going to argue amongst themselves as, as to where he would feature uh, it's a midfield three so he's going to feature in there but he could really play anywhere I was speaking to someone the other day who said they played a charity game and Beardsley was in the team obviously and he was turning and twisting and beating players and someone said to this guy said I don't even dare think that he's playing it 80% of what he can and the guy said, oh, okay, you know, yeah. So then whoever he'd spotted, he said, right, go on then, Peter, turn it on. And within like that, he took on the whole team and went and, went and scored. He's still got it. And I think when you when you look at him play today, we, we, we played played with him yeah, at Jeddah's Park, and he's still, he's still got that magic touch. And, yeah, one of the best players, if not the best player that I think Newcastle's probably have had, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you, you look at the players who have been produced over the years, and Newcastle have had some fantastic ones I'm sure a lot of other people will have Paul Gascoigne in the team I personally don't and it's respect and he's, he's got to be up there with, with one of the finest players from the region but just I think Beardsley for me shades it and uh, I think he, he as you say could quite easily have been in a front three if, if not the midfield three for anyone and he, he really is that good and I'd be shocked if he isn't in at least 90% of teams uh, and in this I suppose in your formation yeah, this will be kind of the defensive midfielder um, you've, you've gone with Joe Harvey Yes, as I said, I mean he could have got in the team at centre back as well. So um, again, he's been he's been picked as a midfielder. I've already gone into a little bit of what he brought to the club, and he he, he's, he could almost be both the manager and the player within this team. He, he would certainly be mentioned in conversation alongside Sir Bobby Robson, Kevin Keegan. Hopefully, if this is in the 150th anniversary, we may even be talking about Rafa Benitez in that same breath. But at this moment in time, I don't think he'd quite get into that. Uh, Stratosphere yet, but uh, yeah, Joe Harvey, FA Cup winner as a player on, m- on multiple occasions, 1969 uh, when the man- FA Cup winning manager, brilliant uh, out and out defender slash midfielder who could could just do do about just about everything. Uh, wasn't the prettiest footballer in the world, but what he did, he was mightily effective at in an era when it was uh, when football was was probably. Uh, a bit tougher. Yeah, a bit tougher. Not necessarily <laughs> as as you, you didn't necessarily get as many teams who who are the the continental style hadn't necessarily come to British football at that stage. It wasn't just the passing game, but but Joe Harvey excelled uh, for Newcastle both the player and manager, and, and for me, uh, that's why he gets in the team. I think I think we needed a representative from the fifties, and he's one of them. Uh, and the third player in line. I mean, it, it, the nominations it could have been anybody. I think. But especially the year we grew up in, I mean, this this player was just if you were if you wanted to be a flying winger when you were older, and I know growing up on Tyneside it was often the number nine shirt you wanted when you were a kid. But for many people, this guy would have just been the dream to watch. Yeah, David Ginola gets in. I mean, in a four three three, I don't know if it was necessarily suited his style as much as if it was a four four two having the out and out wingers. <clears throat> but I mean, Ginola would still do a job anyway because he just is that that special a talent. He just He's a one. There's not many players who really take your breath away as to what they can do with a footballer, and David Ginola was was one of them. He 
only two years on Tyneside, and some may say, "Well, how can you how can you be in this team if you've if you're only at Newcastle for two years?" But he was part of the entertainer side. He came so close to win that title. He was involved in some of the brilliant nights against the likes of Barcelona and whatnot. He was at the club at that period of time where all those uh, there was those magnificent results, the five nil, all of that, and just a player who class personified, um, just had a style about him, a swagger, an arrogance. But an arrogance which he then went and fulfilled, and there's, there's all the stuff about uh, he didn't defend. And I mean, I wouldn't if you have a player who was that good, I wouldn't want him to defend. I just want him to just let him have the, if he doesn't want to defend, let him have the ball, and he will go and win you football matches. I suppose the interesting thing is always comparisons drawn between Ginola uh, and then Lauren Robert, and then of course Hatton Ben Offen, all Frenchmen, all on the left, all very attacking, creative players, and yet the latter two really you get criticised. And uh, do you think that is because they didn't? reach their full potential they didn't produce as often as Dav Ginola did for the manager to say okay well you don't want to defend we'll sacrifice you coming back well for, for Lauren Robert I think Lauren Robert is slightly harsh because I think he almost got the maximum out of his talent he wasn't anywhere near as elegant or really as skilled as, as, as Ginola was in terms of controlling and dribbling a football he had a fantastic shot on him and I think the fact that, that he came after David Ginola and the, and the French being left left hand side player was always going to count against him. Hadn't been off a slightly different because I think in terms of pure talent he's arguably up there with just about anyone on this list. Um, he never fulfilled it for Newcastle, I'm not saying that because he certainly didn't but in terms of what he should have been capable of and he wasn't really an out and out winger but it, the, the what he was capable of, the, the fact that people were disappointed with what he produced, you compare it to Ginola who yes he could be awful one game or he could be anonymous for 89 minutes but then he could do something which no one else could do or has really been able to do in a Newcastle shirt since and, and for that reason again entertainers era and just a player who is, is iconic uh, for, for Newcastle United Football Club a lot of people a lot of fans uh, neutral Premier League fans would argue he did more for Spurs I would disagree I think he was at Newcastle was when he really showed his best form and first season at Newcastle I think at times he was he was arguably the best player in the country Best moment for Ginola in Newcastle United shirt? I think I'm going to go with the Frank Gavara goal because it's just a, a very, very special goal. And if any Newcastle youngster hasn't seen that, try and find it on YouTube or any platform that, that you can, it's legal, um, to try and watch that goal because it just showed his, his, his ingenuity and brilliance. I'm glad you pronounced that team name because I would struggle. <laughs> That's why I asked you. I was hoping you'd say that because uh, if not, I was going to have to say it. And we know my uh, success with pronouncing names. But yeah, I mean, that goal, the, I mean, just what, the way he did it, I mean, yeah, Chris is right. If you get there, haven't seen it yet, or even if you have, just go and watch it again because the way he brings it out. I mean, this, just, you know, we could describe it to you, but it wouldn't do yeah, justice. The footage is just ten times better than anything we could describe. But I mean, games against the Liverpool. I mean, he scored it in that four three, and he was absolutely sublime. Um, and then obviously the Man United goal. I remember him running for and he just slots at home, doesn't he? I think it's a second goal. Second. Um, yeah. I think he'd been in a bit of criticism pressure then because the celebration it was. Wasn't quite the Ketsbaya moment against the uh, advertising boards, but it was a very passionate kind of vice. You know, this is what I can do, and I've shown you now. Um, yeah, I think everyone was just a bit sad to see him to see him leave in the end. I mean, I know Kenny Daglish came in and chopped and changed the team, and maybe did it a bit too quickly for it to work. But um, arguably, one of the players, along with Les Ferdinand, probably should never have left the club. Really. Possibly, but I think as Gabor said last week, I think the problem was that Keegan had convinced him to stay the year before when Barcelona had come in for him and. 
his head almost had been turned by that. So once Keegan went, he felt he'd been let down, and I think it was always going to be difficult to keep him on time side. But in terms of uh, Newcastle coming so close to that title in ninety five, ninety six, I think if they hadn't had David Ginola, there wouldn't there wouldn't have been uh, up there as real title contenders. You'd only have to speak to to the likes of Les Ferdinand and, and others in the team. Peter uh, John Beresford obviously you talked about the fact that uh, he had to do so much work. Uh, to cover for, for Ginola's lack of uh, tracking back but even he said that he would get annoyed at times but then he'd look up and Ginola do something which would take his breath away and he'd say actually this guy could win us the title and he very nearly did and just so the names in that who deserve a match obviously you already mentioned Gaza um, there's, there's Rob Lee Bobby Mitchell uh, Gary Speed you know, Colin Veach and Jock Rutherford um, yeah I mean if I'd had 4-4-2 I think that Colin Veach was, was, was pushing for a a place in the side. Um, I really wanted to, to look back to a get to people who, who did win the title. There's going to be a forward who did win the title, but I wanted uh, Colin Vici really could have played anywhere. He was also he's talented both on and off the pitch, and he's someone who certainly deserves an honourable mention because uh, of what he did for the likes of the People's Theatre and other things in the city, but also for the football club. He won uh, titles with the club and, and, and an excellent, excellent player uh, for, for all accounts and from what you read about him. And obviously, never actually saw him perform. Um, but then, in terms of the two from from my lifetime who we did come close, it would be uh, Speed and Lee. I mean, Gary Speed, excellent midfielder, uh, both defensive and going forward, one of the mo- most fantastic headers of the ball. I think you'll see someone who wasn't massive and didn't necessarily when you first saw him, he's not someone, he's not a big burly centre forward. You think, oh, he's going to be brilliant in the air, but he was he was. The, he perfected the art of arriving in the box late and and, and powering headers so the at the goal box. against Sheffield Wednesday from the edge of the box. I yeah, think. I think it is Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I mean that header, the distance he was out and yeah. to get the direction and right in the corner. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. But what an engine he had on him as well. He would, you know, obviously, I think he's the second most, uh, shall we say, cap Premier League player, one of the second most appearances in the league. But box to box, eye for a pass, brilliant tackle. But the engine on him was just yeah. unbelievable. Non-stop, but I mean, he, he could adapt to play with lots of different players. I mean, if you if you if you said to someone now, him, Rob Lee in a midfield, do you think they would necessarily match one another? Well, they did, and they adapted well and played well together, and and uh, and and he complimented whoever was in there in the in the team with them when Genius came along. The same there, Kieran Dyer, um, and and I mean, as for Rob Lee himself, his goal-scoring record for midfield was excellent. Sir John Hall says the the best seven hundred fifty thousand pound he ever spent, um, and. He gave Newcastle more than a decade's uh, with of uh, service, and someone who uh, went, was played in two sides, who, who got to the FA Cup final, uh, obviously in, in 95, 96, came close to win the title, and just a, an excellent servant of the football club. And, and as he rightly keeps saying over the last few weeks, uh, quashes the the ludicrous suggestions that uh, Cockneys can't be accepted on Tyneside. Definitely, I think his kind of partnership with Shearer as well, and Shearer's advancing yeah, Yeshov. So, I mean, both of them were, were getting to the end of their careers, but the way they both adapted their play to make it work for not just themselves but the team, um, so it's you know, really good partnership, really good uh, pair to have in the team. It was, and their friendship was 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 crucial to Newcastle's success under the early years of Sir Bobby Robson in the, in the early two thousands. Um, and the thing with, with Lee, as you see, he adapted his game. It wasn't necessarily as much of it. He was almost a second striker when Newcastle first signed him. He could almost run in there as an extra forward. 
uh, dropped a little deeper further in his career and, and, and improved his, his passing range and his ability to act as the link man and uh, that, that's what the very best players do they realise the limitations and the, and the changes in the game and then they adapt accordingly So we'll just recap there Peter Beardsley, Joe Harvey and David Ginola in the midfield and we'll head into the uh, forward line now um, we'll start with the one man who is going to be in everyone's team and if he's not then um, apparently Mark Douglas was, was putting in some uh, written in uh, teams the other week and there was at least three which didn't have Shearer in so. I suppose for me for the older generation yeah. you know, let's be clear I mean obviously Shearer record goal scorer but you do look at this list and if you've grown up in the in the 50s and the 60s I mean you've arguably got some great strikers who in the, on their day as good if not possibly better than Alan Shearer and could still do a job in today's uh, Premier League um, I know that's a very uh, I've put myself out there with that comment but you know you look at the likes of Jackie Milbury and George Robledo they were brilliant players and obviously um, you know Newcastle have been spoilt for number nines and forward forwards over the last 125 years um, but I'll let you explain the reasons that you've picked Alan Shearer yeah well I mean the iconic number nine shirt it, it's almost gets used as a cliche but it, it is such an important shirt associated with Newcastle United and that all started with, with Huey Gallagher we'll get on to later on but um, I mean just just to talk about the competition in the forward line look Alan Shearer probably will be in the vast majority of people's teams but in my team I don't include Malcolm McDonald who that's a very difficult decision for me because a fantastic forward uh, for Newcastle United and someone who's played an important role in their history uh, I don't include the likes of Rob Lado I don't include the likes of Andy Cole, who had one of the most phenomenal seasons any individual's had in the history of Newcastle United Football Club. I don't include Les Ferdinand, who was excellent, one of the finest headers above I've seen, and, and a natural goal scorer, uh, someone who probably left the club too soon, really, as, as you've already said. But Alan Shearer, I mean, all-time record goal scorer, 206 goals. Someone, as you say, who adapted the game. He lost a lot of the pace that he had earlier on in his career. He was never lightning quick but he had a bit of pace to be able to run in behind with two knee op- serious knee operations and that's a he's almost missed two full seasons in the in the 10 years he was at Newcastle so you add that imagine what it could have been it could have been closer to 250 goals because that was it when he was in the prime of his career as well rather than towards the end of it so um, someone who uh, shunned the advances of Manchester United to come back to his boyhood club unfortunately didn't uh, get the trophy so wanted and that the club so desired two FA Cup finals um, finished second in 96-97 and someone who just embodies everything as both a, a player and a, and a captain that, that that was good about Newcastle during his era he played for the club he wanted to he showed the passion uh, during that time and just a pure goal scorer in one sense but so much more than that I know there's the way linked with different strikers Les Ferdinand Craig Bellamy two completely different forwards but Two forwards he struck brilliant partnerships with. He he was the he was the hold up man. He was able to bring people into play. The way he attacked the ball in the air as header was only five foot eleven. Really, not not the tallest bloke in the world, but brilliant in the air. Such a powerful right foot. Um, could score all sorts of goals. And I think my favourite personally is the uh, the volley against Aston Villa, where he side foot caresses it across the the goal because it's not necessarily uh, archetypal. Alan Shearer but I just think it just showed that he could do a bit of everything Definitely I mean, we mentioned there with Rob Lee getting older adapting his game but for me I think the goal against Chelsea when he just turns to SIA mm. and he must be what 25-30 yards out 
and that's just Alan Shearer. You know, he's adapted his game. He, he knows he, he can't really turn him and, and hit it and run f- with speed. So he's going to have to turn him and then just hit the ball. And he does it right foot, swerves in the top corner. I mean, power, precision, strength, everything that Alan Shearer was. And but to change his game from when he first started out shows not just a good football, but a very, very clever football and someone who's determined because you could get that maybe with a striker when they get to the advancing years and think, well. You know, I've, I've had a career, I've had a long career, I'm 33, 34, wherever I may be. Do I really need to put the effort in anymore and, and change my game? And she said, well, you know what, yeah, I don't want to give it up yet. And, you know, he did, he changed it and it shows a very clever footballer. Very much so, a lot of longevity, not just in the sense of when he was at Newcastle. I mean, he arrived at Newcastle when he was mid to late 20s and he, he managed to stay on until he was mid to late 30s. So it's someone who'd already spent a few years in the Premier League and also even before the Premier League when it was still the first division and... Uh, adapted his game, made sure that he, he kept on uh, advancing in terms of, of, of his all-round play and his ability to, to 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 work on the way that football was was developing. And I think that the, the, the biggest compliment paid Alan Shearer is that he would certainly be in the vast majority of people's Premier League era all-time team. And I mean that. Don't just mean Anthony Castle. I mean that in general. And he would he would be with a very very good shout of being in the all-time uh, English league football team because. His record speaks for itself. Interestingly, Shearer said earlier this week that Les Ferdinand was his best ever club partner. Um, obviously, you've mentioned you haven't included him in yours, and I think a lot of people will have the same dilemma as well. Um, you've gone for uh, you know for Jack Milburn and Shirley Gallagher in your teams, but I mean Les Ferdinand, it's a very hard decision to leave him out. But people, I think, forget that he wasn't here all that long, and yet the partnership them to I think 49 goals between them in one season. Uh, they both out for a collective five months um, in that season. So imagine what it could have been. Imagine what could have happened had Keegan stayed. Had Sir Boy Robson maybe come in after Keegan and kept the kept the pair together. And they were the pair that supposedly couldn't play together as well before yes. they did. And who, who, can you have two big centre forward, two in theory target men centre forwards, and they most certainly could play together. Uh, Red knew each other's game so well because they knew that, that instinctively the the other one was going to do almost what they wanted to do. So it just meant that, that the opposition defence had two massive handfuls to deal with in, in the vast majority of occasions. Uh, Shearer and Ferdinand would come out on top, and yeah, Ferdinand, if he'd been in Newcastle slightly longer and if the competition wasn't so fierce, could have been in this team and rightly will be in other people's teams. And I can understand exactly why uh, in terms of he was. His goals were, were, were crucial in the 95-96 season that, that nearly won Newcastle the title. And excellent partnership with Shearer and someone who, yeah, certainly deserved to mention. And unfortunately, uh, he gave up the number nine shirt to, to, for Shearer to come in and, and I've picked three iconic number nines. But as you say, Ferdinand certainly deserves to mention as to some of the other players within there, like Mike McDonald. And just briefly before we get on to your second two choices, second two, no, second two choices, uh, Andy Cole or Les Fernand, who for you the better, the better striker is? It's a difficult one, I suppose it's almost like the, the argument for who should be in this team. The best striker, in terms of pure finisher, I think I'd go Andy Cole. Uh, as I say, one of the best individual seasons in the history of the, of the football club uh, and someone who, for Newcastle, his, his record is just insane really. Um, but in terms of an all-round player who's going to give you a little bit more I think that I'd just edge for Ferdinand can score goals and also do a bit more around the pitch. But look, I'm, 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 it's I'd happily take either. I mean, there's, there's no I could happily take any of the forwards who are relisted in, in the list. That's how strong Newcastle are in this front line. I think that's when when you, you said earlier about comparing. Uh, why is it important that 
uh, fans of a younger era, a younger generation, look at these these older eras and see these players well, because the current forward line, no disrespect to any of them, but they're nowhere near the quality of, of these few, uh, these these strikers, this this select bunch of strikers, and that is the the history and the that that's what they should be aiming for. That's what Newcastle United as a number nine. That's what the club should be aiming to have in their number nine shirt. No disrespect to the current lot, but they're just not on the same level as any of these, and hopefully in the future that changes. Fantastic. Now on to uh, Huey Gallagher for you as a striker. Um, why, why Huey Gallagher? Well, as I've said, I was trying to go from, from a few different eras, and so uh, I've gone back um, to this is in the, in the early 20s here, and, and I think that we needed it personally. I believe that in the team there needed to be at least one who, who'd won the league. So uh, you're going to have to go back to pre-1927 for that and that, that man for me is Huey Gallagher but that's not to say that it's a token gesture by any stretch because you just have to look at his goal scoring record which really is uh, quite phenomenal I'm just going to look at it here to make sure I get it right uh, 133 goals in 160 games 15 goals in his first 9 appearances and that just continued to flow from there captained the team at the age of just 23 to the 26-27 title the last time Newcastle United won the title 90 years ago um, I think that, that his record is, is phenomenal someone who really was the first iconic number nine there's been so many more down the years but I think Huey Gallagher is the very first of them um, tragically took his own life uh, later on but in terms of, 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 of a footballer in terms of uh, an out and out finisher and uh, a league winner Huey Gallagher fully deserves his place. You see, he set the bar for the number nine. I think very much so. Yeah, and, and when oh, I, oh, sometimes he almost gets forgotten about, not by an older generation of fans, but some younger ones who refer to the fact that they know the ones who are still alive or the likes of Jackie Milburn. But Huey Gallagher should be mentioned along with Malcolm McDonald and Alan Shearer and Jackie Milburn and all the rest because his record is phenomenal and he was the one who Milburn. Uh, a test wanted to be like he was. He was the one who, who really set the iconic number nine jersey, and he he, he almost immortalised that in the first place. And uh, yeah, very much the bar from which uh, others have, have have tried to reach, and in some cases, arguably raised. And on to Jackie Milburn. Obviously, you know he set the goal scoring record. He won the FA Cups. Such a modest man, but what a striker. Um, while you explain your reasons, I'm going to close this blind before the sun blinds me because I can't really see what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jackie Milburn, why did you pick Jackie Milburn? Well, again, I've gone for, as I've tried to spell it out over a few different eras, and so I've gone to the, the 50s side now because the only other entry I had from there was, was, was Joe Harvey. But again, this is not to say that Jackie Milburn's, and again, a token gesture. Jackie Milburn, before Alan Shearer broke the record, the record goal scorer in Newcastle United history, probably would have had more had the first uh, the Second World War not still been going on when he first... Uh, Donned a black and white shirt uh, from the area. Ashington born, someone who always dreamed of, of playing for the club, and um, cousin to the Charlton brothers as well. So I mean, the, the stock that he, that he came from. Sorry, cousin the mother of the Charlton brothers. So the stock that he came from, uh, exceptional football stock, and 200 goals north in Newcastle. Uh, scored six second half goals during a trial match at St James's Park in 1943 and then it all went from there and then he helped the club lift four, uh, three FA Cups in, in, in four years and his goals in particular were crucial to, to the first two um, and just a pure pure finisher someone who's a phenomenal footballer as you say also 
a lovely human being by by all accounts. We speaking to everyone who knew him, um, and served the club, uh, re- the region, and the club so well even after his retirement. Uh, that third FA Cup he won, you know, what he wasn't picked for the team originally, uh, before uh, I think Stan Seymour, who was the chairman, stepped in and said, you know, it's Jackie Milburn, he's playing. Um, and he wasn't re- really well known for his heading of the ball, and then he goes up and scores, arguably one of the greatest headers I think you'll ever see. Uh, is it still the fastest FA Cup final goal? I th- I'm not sure if it's been overtaken, but certainly up in the top two or three, if it isn't. When you watch it, the power behind it, you know, he's never the strongest header according to Gibbo and you know the, the stories I've heard from from all the relatives. But I mean, that is, that was some goal. Oh, it was a, it was a fantastic goal, as you say. Yeah, his powers had undoubtedly waned by that stage, but he was he was in his advancing years, and uh, but could still show that that he was the man for the big occasion, and he was going to help Newcastle win that. Third FA Cup win in Foyt. I mean, just just think about that start in itself. This is a club that hasn't won any trophy since 1969, hasn't won a domestic trophy since 1955, and Newcastle won the cup three times between 51 and 55. It is incredible and not what that just team did against anybody. You know, it was uh, against it was Blackpool, I think Arsenal and, and City was it? Yeah, yeah, the, the biggest teams of that of that era. In Blackpool, it was meant to be the stand the Stanley Matthews. It was, you know, and Newcastle thought, you know, we're not having this. We're going to rock up and we're going to spoil the party, and that's exactly what they did with the help of obviously Jackie Milburn and, uh, and let's not forget George Robledo who was uh, who was very important in the, in the I think the, the latter two FA Cup finals and uh, is it also was Bobby Mitchell as well set up two I think Mitchell, yeah. he set up two and scored one in, in amongst those three finals and the semi-final as well I think of the 50, 54 perhaps I haven't got my uh, trivia hat on but I think it was the, the second FA Cup final there that he, he scored in the semi-final and set up the, the winner I mean it was a it was a great Newcastle side. It was, and you just have to, to. There's a certain generation of fans who, as far as the FA Cup's concerned, have only seen the. This is a very young generation. Have only seen Newcastle get to the fourth round and no further. And that is what's been so disgraceful, in my opinion, about the last ten years of, of this football club under Mike Ashley's ownership. The, this is there is a proud history in the FA Cup. It may be now a distant history. It may be now more than sixty years ago. But this club as a Newcastle United football club has won the cup three times in, in, in the early 1950s and won it many times before that as well and it's something that they're, they're rightly is a pride among the elder generation about the cup run and, and they are so disappointed in the way that it's gone say what you want about what the FA Cup is to win it now would be huge for Newcastle and hopefully they get back to an era where they are challenging for trophies such as that because it's phenomenal and, and, and I encourage any fan who wants to go and see clips of, of the game and, and some old style comedy to go along the Tyneside Cinema on the, I think it's on the second floor next to, to, to the cafe inside and there's a, there are some old newsreels of, of, of a couple of the finals from the early 50s and, and some other old footage of Newcastle United and, and I'd certainly encourage you to go along and see that and see uh, the team and uh, I think one of the years they were presented by Winston Churchill with the trophy, I'm not sure what year it was when he was still Prime Minister so um, yes, phenomenal history and, 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 and proud uh, achievements in the FA Cup if and this is obviously a big if um, and it's me just trying to make things a little bit awkward for you but if you had to pick one between Alan Shearer and Jackie Milburn who would it be or who would it, who do you who would have chosen I think I'll go with Alan Shearer on the basis that I can't actually say that I, I saw him live and that I knew exactly what he was capable of um, 
Jackie Milburn has the trophy, so it, it's a very, very tight call, but just on the basis that I can say, I can give you actual first-hand evidence of why I would have Alan Shearer in the team. I'll go with Alan Shearer, but uh, I wouldn't complain if I had either role. And finally, just any of these players that you'd think could fit into a Premier League side today, so say, I think I mentioned in my team, which we'll talk about in another podcast, Phil Balbert would be the centre-back that Pep Guardiola kind of wants. He wants that person to play out, someone who can also score a few goals with his feet. I think Steve Watson said to me a couple of weeks ago that the things he could do with his feet, Philip Albert, was like he wasn't even a centre back. You alluded to it. So for me, Philip Albert could quite easily fit into a Manchester City team today. For you, any of these players that you're looking for? Albert, certainly. Uh, Peter Beardsley could fit into, well, even the very best sides. I think he would, he would get a place in there, and Newcastle would certainly love to have a player like that in there. Um, Milburn and Shearer, both of them. And then David Ginola as well. David Ginola could still. Although there's fewer teams playing without now wingers, I think that he, he could, in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, I think that there'd certainly be a place for him. As long as you give him free roll and let him do what he wants, then I think that he, he could still win football matches in the very top level. Fantastic. So we'll just go through your team. Willie McFall in goal, David Craig at right-back, Bob Monkett, Philip Albert in centre-backs, Frank Clark on the left, Peter Beardsley, Joe Harvey, David Ginola as the three in the middle, along uh, up top is Huey Gallagher, Jackie Milburn and Alan Shearer. Um, captain? Captain, I mean, this is very, very, very difficult. Um, I'm going to go for Joe Harvey. It could be Shearer will be very close to it. Bob Monkey will be very close, but I'm going to go Joe Harvey just on the basis of what he did on and off the pitch. But um, I think you've got at least four or five contenders for captaincy there, which is what every great side needs, so you could quite happily switch the armband between them. Well, fantastic. There you have Chris Woff's team. We'll bring you Mark Douglas Lee Ryder's team as well. And um, we obviously, guys, remember go to chroniclelive.co.uk to vote for your own. You have till the 5th of December, which I believe is a Tuesday off the top of my head, um, which we will then um, you know, go through all the results. You can also fill in the form in the paper as well. Um, currently, our desks are full of these forms, so keep sending them in. Um, if nothing else, just so Mark Douglas has to put them all in manually because I'm enjoying watching him do that. Yes, that is going to be like Christmas come early. Um, and the results will be announced on the 9th of December, which is the Leicester City game at home, um, which is going to be a very special day because obviously it marks the 25th anniversary um, of the club. Um, you know, there's flag displays from both the Leeds' end and the Gallagher end, which is going to be brilliant. Um, hopefully Newcastle can come away with a win that day. But it'll be great to see... Um, to see the the club celebrating, you know, the last 125 years, even though we haven't seen a trophy won in the last 50 odd years. Yes, it is. It is a special anniversary. I think that uh, Paul Giorno, who is the club historian, want me to say that it's 125 years since Newcastle East End and Newcastle West End uh, amalgamated. There was a history to the club beforehand, but when it became Newcastle United was 1892 uh, on December the 5th or December the whatever it is for the, the Leicester game. Um, and yes it is a very special occasion you're going to have so many uh, famous players hopefully are going to be uh, tuning in and watching the occasion and celebrating alongside it was at the 125th anniversary last week along with you and it was uh, it was brilliant to see uh, the emotion and the, and the history of the football club and, and it, it'll be a very special day hopefully Newcastle deliver those three points as well fingers crossed so just yeah guys remember to go to chroniclelive.co.uk fill in your team and we look forward to revealing the best ever Newcastle United side from the last 125 years thank you very much for listening please remember to like subscribe and share the podcast 
whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch? Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King.